Hello and welcome back to another edition of Viper Bites right here on the Vipers Network. So make sure you give it a thumbs up and subscribe while you're at it. And if you're listening to us on any of our podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, make sure to take a second to download and review it. And hey, we are now talking about the AFC East. We're talking the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, the New England Patriots. And yes, we're going to throw in the New York Jets in there just as a bonus team here as we preview these training camps heading up to that July 27th day when all these teams come together, which is officially the kickoff to the new season. Now let's start with the defending champs there in the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen is Buffalo. For the team, for the fans, it is all about what Josh Allen can do. And Allen had 4,407 passing yards to go along with 763 yards on the ground, which happened to be about 107 yards less than Devin Singletary back in 2021. So maybe the only competition Allen is facing is whether or not he's going to be the RB1 in Buffalo this season or if he's going to relinquish that title to Devin Singletary, James Cook, Zach Moss. <laughs> We're kidding. It's not going to be Zach Moss. Now, in reality, it comes down to which quarterback is the next man up here in Buffalo? Buffalo, they went out there. They got themselves a veteran signal caller there in Case Keenum to have him compete with Matt Barkley. It's really no competition. Keenum is going to win this battle, no matter how you want to look at it, to assume Mitch Trubisky's primary clipboard holder status there in Buffalo. And as far as Barkley is concerned, Barkley once again failed to attempt an entire pass the entire season with his only claim to fame coming as mistakenly being selected in the Scott Fish Bowl in the first round there instead of Saquon Barkley, okay? So that's where that is. Now let's talk about this running back position here in Buffalo. And I already mentioned Devin Singletary and Allen as basically the Bills' one-two punch on the ground last year. Even there was a short period of time, which was Zach Moss. He kind of got a little bit of play there. And he looked like he was primed to take over those lead back responsibilities, but that never materialized. Fast forward a few months, and now it's January and Singletary has now finished the season scoring a touchdown on the ground in six straight contests, including those playoff games, eight of those 10 games, right? So fast forward again, and the Bills, they go off and they draft themselves a talented running back with NFL bloodlines there in Georgia's James Cook. Buffalo's backfield is essentially a Team A versus a Team B. Devin Singletary and James Cook, they are forming a Team A kind of situation there, while Zach Moss and Duke Johnson... They're going to have to buy their time and make the most of their opportunities as Team B. Now, wide receiver-wise, neither Cole Beasley nor Emmanuel Sanders have been brought back into the fold there in Buffalo. So heading into the 2022 season, it's going to be Stephon Diggs and many analysts' favorite sleeper, breakout-type performer here in Gabriel Davis. Davis pretty much surpassed his entire season's body of work in just two postseason games. During the regular season, Davis finished with 35 receptions, six touchdowns, 549 yards in those two postseason games against the Patriots and the Chiefs. Davis would haul in 10 passes for 242 yards, five scores, and four of those coming in that AFC Divisional Showdown against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bills, they're not going to play the Chiefs every single week, so temper those expectations that you have on Gabriel Davis just a little bit. So who gets to be the third wheel in this Bills passing attack? Isaiah McKenzie, he did have his moments there last year, particularly week 16 against the New England Patriots, where he finished with 11 receptions, 125 yards. But this job looks like it's going to belong to Jamison Crowder, who signed over from the New York Jets in the offseason. And when Crowder is healthy, and that's going to be the key here for Jamison Crowder, if he can stay healthy, he provides an extra measure of security for 
Josh Allen. And at that price, which the Bills paid to bring him in there, there's no risk. Now, what I'll be watching for is the impact that a rookie like Khalil Shakir will be making early on in camp. And if it'll be enough to earn some early season reps away from guys like McKenzie, away from guys like Jamison Crowder. And with Crowder's injury history taken into account and a, a good impression from Shakir, he could jump ahead of both McKenzie there and Crowder if Crowder were to miss some time on that Bills depth chart. Any success, that could push Crowder down. Like I said, the Bills, they're not committed to Crowder any beyond this season. So Shakir, if he has a good camp and impresses brass, there's an opportunity for him to earn more repetitions as this progresses here throughout the offseason and into the regular season. Now, tight end Dawson Knox was a pleasant surprise. And while we talk like Crowder, McKenzie, Shakir look to secure themselves a third passing type option, this role ultimately belongs to Knox. In Buffalo, Allen, he spread the ball to Diggs and Beasley, being targeted 164 times and 112 times, respectively. Throw in Sanders, 72. Knox, 71. Gabriel Davis, 63. They were all uh, targeted at least 60 times. Behind Knox, you have O.J. Howard coming over from Tampa Bay, who has never really lived up to expectations. I'll be the first one to say out, shout out there right now. I was big onto O.J. Howard. That has never come down yet. Maybe a change of scenery is going to do him well, because we know how Bill's Mafia, they love themselves a good tight end every once in a while. And if you can perform, you can become a fan favorite pretty quick there. Behind him, You've got guys like Tommy Sweeney, Jalen Wiedemeyer, and Quinton Morris. So there's not much competition behind O.J. Howard. So the pressure is not going to be on. Now, defensively speaking here for the Buffalo Bills, a lot of turnover here. For a team that could not get after the quarterback last season, they could not sack anything. They had 42 sacks, which is basically in the middle of the pack. Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, they are gone. In comes Vaughn Miller. And you got some young guys like A.J. Espinosa, Boogie Basham. They're looking to try and kind of bring back that second-year kind of hype that they face. you got Gregory Rousseau, Shaq Lawson. So the Bills should be in a much better position here to rush the passer here in 2022. Now let's go down to South Beach. Let's talk about the Miami Dolphins here. And according to the newest member of the Miami Dolphins, Tua Tagovailoa has some of the nicest-looking balls that Tyreek Hill has ever caught. Make of that what you will. Believe it or not, I don't know. Maybe it's just a good young wide receiver talking to get more reps from the quarterback here. I don't know. I'm not sure how accurate this is, but the offseason is slow. And, hey, this gave us something to talk about for some period of time. Now, Tugavaloa, he ended up on my injury risk management type series here that I dropped not too long ago. So you know there's always going to be that risk with Tua Tugavaloa that injuries could creep in and could affect the season there. And in the offseason, the Dolphins, they brought in a little bit of an insurance policy there in Teddy Bridgewater. Last year, they had Jacoby Brissett. In comes Teddy Bridgewater last year. Now, when we talk about Brissett, he did see action in 11 games, while Tungvaloa only played in parts of 13 contests. Now, Miami, they may not be an explosive offense as far as the deep threat has been, because but the weapons on this team, you don't need to chuck the ball deep every time. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, these are guys that could take a three-yard pass and take it to the house at any given time so maybe they don't look like they're going to be explosive but this dink and dunk thing that they could end up doing could end up being a yak dream now at the running back position miles gaskin he is still somehow in south beach miami did not let him go and they basically turned over this entire running back roster here in fact when you look at this how does a guy like Miles Gaskin go from the penthouse to the outhouse? He led the Dolphins in rushing just a season ago, and he finished as the RB25 in fantasy in PPR-type scoring. 
So we know Gaskins, he's going to find himself fourth now on this Dolphins depth chart behind guys like Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle. He is going to find himself in that fourth spot, which means he's probably not going to get much repetition there. He's probably going to see, well, he's not going to see a whole heck of a lot unless injuries present themselves. Now, Chase Edmonds, he is being paid as a running back one, and he averaged 5.1 yards per carry in Arizona last year, but for some reason, he could never steal those carries outright away from James Conner. His 53 receptions ranked fifth on the Cardinals, and there's some value that he could have there in Miami in that passing game. Next, we have Raheem Mostert there. He knows the Mike McDaniel system coming over from San Francisco. He could also fill in as a coach when he ultimately sneezes and misses more time. So you got to keep that in mind as well. Since 2015, Mostert has only played more than 12 games one time. And that was back in 2019 where he managed to play 16 games, but he did not start in any of those contests. Finally, we have Sony Michelle, the two-time, two-time Super Bowl champion. He's got rings in New England. He's got rings in Los Angeles. Michelle is like a running back cockroach. And I mean this in a positive way. You can never seem to get rid of him. You count him out. He was counted out in New England. New England basically traded him off to Los Angeles. And he had a pretty good season there in L.A. last year. When you look at it, coming in, in relief of Cam Akers there. He battled Daryl Henderson there, who was battling injuries and, well, incompetence at the running back position from time to time. He had 845 yards on the ground. He averaged 4.1 yards per carry. If he can duplicate that success in in Miami that he had in Los Angeles, he could end up being the top running back on this roster. Now, many there have Edmonds as being the number one guy. Monster two, then Michelle kind of at three. But when this all settles down, like I said, Michelle is like a running back cockroach here. I think he could end up at least splitting touches with Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds being the primary pass catching back in this offense. But look for Michelle to kind of get a little bit more of a factor than many people are giving him credit for right now. And wide receiver, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill are two of the most explosive players in the whole National Football League. I mean this. They Guys, anytime one of these guys touches the ball, it could very well go the distance. The only question here for opposing teams is who they're going to figure out as the immediate threat. Could this be one of those situations we were talking about last year when we were talking about Robert Woods being better than uh, Cooper Cup and ultimately bet, ended up being Cooper Cup as the better wide receiver? Maybe this is what happens. We're all talking about Tyreek Hill, but maybe it's really going to be Jalen Waddle having a Cooper Cup type season. I'm not going to say he's going to duplicate what Cup did last year, but I mean Jalen Waddle is in a good position with a good weapon opposite of him to have a very good season. With the outside receivers, they're basically locked up. We turn our attention to the slot. Now, can we have former Cowboy there? Cedric Wilson looks like he's got the inside track at that position there. You got the incumbent there and Lynn Bowden, who's never been able to stay healthy. You know what? When it's all said and done, you, go, you follow the money here, and I think it's going to be Cedric Wilson who's going to end up getting those reps over Lynn Bowden. Now, another former 49er to keep an eye on here during camp is Trent Sheffield there. He managed to find his way to Miami this offseason and will be competing with rookie there out of the Texas Tech. He'll be competing with Preston Williams there as well. Man, I, I just can't quit Preston Williams, but I think the Miami Dolphins have pretty much quit on him. At tight end, Mike Gusecki, he has submitted himself at the top of the tight end position there for the Dolphins. And there's not much you can trust after that. Last season, Dolphins, they drafted Hunter Long out of Boston College. He managed to haul one pass out of the three targets. You got Durb Smith there. You got Adam Sheehan. They all got reps ahead of him. Perhaps with a full set of OTAs here, mini camp and all this stuff, maybe Long can close the gap on those other two tight ends. Now, just a little fun fact here. When we talk about this Miami Dolphins defense, they finished 
tied for fifth in sacks, thanks to Emmanuel Ogba's nine and Jalen Phillips' eight and a half. After that, it really was a committee approach. Who's going to step up there to fill in the void there to get a few more sacks for the Miami Dolphins? And at, at the linebacker position, Jerome Baker, he's in one spot. Currently, Landon Roberts, he occupies the other spot. Now, the guy I want to watch here is the rookie here, Channing Tiddle out of Georgia. Is he the guy who could come in there and win some reps early on? If you look what he did in college, specifically when the schemes and sets up those twists and stunts that they ask of him, Miami, we know they love to blitz the linebacker position. And with a 23.1% pass rush win rate in college, I think that Tyndale, he can definitely surpass what Roberts offers the Dolphins on this defense. Now, moving along to the New England Patriots, Justin Jefferson, he brought the giddy to the NFL, but Mac Jones perfected it. Let's call it the way it is. Despite throwing for 3,800 yards and 22 touchdowns, there were times that the all-pro quarterback looked like a rookie. In fact, there were times where he only attempted three passes in an entire game. Both Brian Hoyer, Bailey Zapp, they'll be looking to earn backup rights to Mac Jones on Sundays with Hoyer and his veteran presence looking like they're probably the best option right now. Now, but... Hey, do keep an eye on Zappi there, who threw for 6,000 yards last season at Western Kentucky and finished with 62 touchdowns. Yes, you heard that correctly. At running back, if you can make out this backfield here in New England, you're a better person than I am. That's why I have to be really focused on what's going on here in camp. When you look at this, they have basically added body after body after body. Again, there's going to be Damian Harris there alongside Ramondre Stevenson to give the, the Patriots that formidable one-two punch. James White, he returns from injury, which likely relegates J.J. Taylor for the time being. There's new faces in that backfield that include South Dakota State's Pierre Strong and South Carolina's Kevin Harris. Pierre Strong is a guy we'll talk about here a little bit, but he is kind of a guy to keep an eye on here during camp. He has the ability to do everything that James White can do, except he's much younger. Now, both Harris and Stevenson, they averaged 4.6 yards per attempt last season, with Harris receiving... 69 more attempts in part of being available to 15 games to Stevenson's only 12. Harris, to his credit, finished just shy of 1,000 yards, 929. But his biggest contribution was close to the goal line where he ended up scoring 15 touchdowns on the ground compared to Stevenson's five. Heck, Damian Harris was in the top three when it came to rushing touchdowns last year, something that you cannot easily push off to the side. In three games, James White played... Last season, he caught 12 of 14 passes, while Harris only had 18 receptions and Stevenson only had 14. With White back, he clearly will assume that pass-catching role if Pierre Strong does not push him out of that. Let's be honest there when we look at this as well. While Stevenson may be the future of the Patriots' backfield, Harris has earned the trust of the team and will likely afford every opportunity to secure that role early on in the season. At wide receiver, while this wasn't the sexiest receiving duo in the National Football League, Jones managed to support a pair of 800-yard receivers in Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne. Who would end up as the high-end wide receiver three in fantasies? Well, enter 2022. The Patriots add another couple receiving options in the form of Miami Dolphins pass catcher Devontae Parker. Many right now are saying Parker is the top option in this offense for Mac Jones, but I'm not quite buying into that yet. While he does have that physical skill set, we've never seen Parker do much outside of what he did in one season. He had one big season that we can kind of revert back to when we talk about Devontae Parker. 
Myers last year, he led the team in receptions with 83, targets with 126, and yards with 866. While Bourne led all receivers in touchdowns with five. In 10 games with Miami, Parker hauled in 40 passes for 515 yards. And throughout his career, here's what I'm going back to. He's only finished with more than 800 yards one time. That was back in 2019 when he posted a 72-catch, 1,200-yard, nine-touchdown stat line. Now, with three competent receivers, I'm not sure there's any room on the roster for guys like Nelson Aguilar, who spent who the Patriots basically spent pretty good money on last season, especially if Nikhil Harry can somehow live up to expectations. Well, let's be honest. I think that Nikhil Harry kind of experiment is done, unless they maybe slide him over to tight end, which is something else to keep an eye on here during training camp. Or Tyquan Thompson, make him expendable, which is probably the likelihood of everything. New England... They thought they had themselves one of the best tight end pairings last offseason, signing both Hunter Henry and Jonas Smith to big free agent deals. Well, one of them would score nine touchdowns and finish with 50 receptions and just over 1,600 uh, 600 yards. The other was Jonas Smith. Now, can the Patriots find a way to get Smith going in this offense? Because if not, he is an expensive piece sitting there doing absolutely nothing along the bench with guys like uh, Devin Asiasa and um, Dalton Keene. How do the Patriots utilize their talented, versatile safeties? This is something I want to pay close attention to. Kyle Duggar, Jabril Peppers, Devin McCourty, and Adrian Phillips. These are all guys who can play multiple positions on this between free safety, strong safety, in the linebackers. Both Pepper and Duggars, they can have the flexibility to come down to the box and play a little bit of that run in certain packages and maybe earn more of a recurring role moving forward. For the New York football Jets, mild manner. Zach Wilson is your everyday quarterback until the offseason hits. Then it becomes the incredible bulk. Yes, the offseason is quiet, and we're talking about Zach Wilson bulking up. And, hey, when you're green and you're bulking up, you may draw a couple of little comparisons there along the way to certain Marvel characters. Yes, it's the offseason. I get it. Yeah, 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 okay? Wilson won't have any excuses this season as the Jets' skill players on paper are pretty impressive, to say the least. Now, he's got to have to improve on that nine touchdown to 11 interception from last season. And 2,334 yards passing isn't going to cut it here in year number two. Joel Flacco, Mike White, they're no real threats to Zach Wilson and are nothing more than emergency players. We've seen them kind of come in. Mike White came in for a week or two last season. He got some fantasy points, but outside of those kind of emergency situations, don't expect anything to come out of the backup position here in New York. Now, for running backs... We talk about those skill positions. I mentioned the improvement there. And the Jets, while they had Michael Carter, who was a solid back in 2021, averaging respectable 4.3 yards per carry and had over 900 scrimmage yards, the Jets somehow found themselves with Brees Hall falling right in their lap back in April during the NFL draft. How the Jets use both Carter and Hall is anyone's guess at this point, but I do find it hard to believe that they will completely discard Carter after just one season. If you look at Carter going back to college there. He has always managed to make the most of his touches, sharing the backfield, sharing the rock with guys like Javante Williams at North Carolina. He still managed to turn in back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons to close out his college career. I doubt the Jets can support two 1,000-yard rushers. I doubt they can support two 1,000-yard receivers. But perhaps... This is more of like a poor man's Packers type situation here. Aaron Jones, we look at what he did last year, 799 rushing yards. A.J. Dillon, 803 rushing yards. Each of them had roughly 800 yards apiece and contributed in the passing game as well. I think what we can kind of expect between Brees Hall and Michael Carter, kind of a split there, 
expect both these backs to kind of come into that 800 yards rushing and kind of flirt with a thousand scrimmage yards this season. Kevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, Michael Piron, they will battle it out behind Hall and behind Carter for reps, but potentially one of them, if not two, will get cut. At wide receiver, New York's receiving core has maybe the low-key, one of the most talented trios in the National Football League right now. They've got some explosive playmakers, and after that, though, the depth, not so much. Corey Davis is that big body receiver that I would expect Zach Wilson to kind of go to his first read in the red zone. After having a somewhat breakout season there with the Titans back in 2020, where he barely finished with 1,000 yards there, injury slowed him down in 2021. Now, Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson both have high draft capital attached from Elijah Moore's second-round pick. Garrett Wilson, a first-round pick here this last draft. When you look at this, they can make things happen when their ball is in their hands. So you've got that boundary-type wide receiver, that big body in Corey Davis, and then you got two kind of yak guys there in Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson that can make a difference on the field. When you look at Moore's 538 receiving yards last season, 207 of them came after contact while Garrett Wilson finished his junior season at Ohio State with 1,058 yards on 70 receptions. It would not surprise me if Garrett Wilson, with the speed, the catch radius, and the ability to separate, ends up being the Jets' leading receiver with Davis and Moore playing more of a complementary role here in 2022. And don't forget about the fourth option here, Braxton Berrios. Yes, I will not dismiss him. you got to know him. Get him ready. He is ready to go. And when the coach calls his number, he's going to be ready. Trust me, a lot more so than guys like Jeff Smith and Denzel Mims, who will be at camp, but are they going to be putting much work in? I don't know. Now, we look at the tight end position here for the Jets. What's better than one tight end? How about two? Why not? Hey, let's go throw a bunch of money at the tight end position. Let's draft some tight ends too while we're at it. Okay, perhaps for fantasy, this is not a good thing for fantasy managers. But for this Jets team, having guys like CJ Ozama and Tyler Conklin in the fold is good. Especially when you go up there and you draft a guy like Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State. These are some good type players here to have in the fold. CJ Ozama. Tyler Conklin, they produced when given an opportunity. We know the tight end position takes a few years to kind of develop there as rookies. So Jeremy Ruckert may not have any fantasy relevance here in year one or even year two. But the Jets did put themselves in a position where they could cut one or both these tight ends with very little dead cap if Ruckert is ready to go at any point. So what? how's this dynamic going to fold? Are you going to have some streaming options? Or could possibly Uzama or Tyler Conklin creep themselves into that top 15 ca- uh, conversation there for the tight ends in fantasy? We'll see how that develops. Now on defense, New York's defense gave up 397.6 yards per game last season, which ranked in the bottom four in both the pass defense and the run defense. So it is safe to say that the Jets had to address this in the draft. First, they selected Sas Gardner, who is already the best defender in the secondary. Then late in the first, they stopped the slide. How does how does a guy like Jermaine Johnson, one of the better pass rushers in this draft slide all the way down to the back end of the first round for the Jets to simply pluck out of there again. So another one of the best edge rushers to go with one of the best secondary type guys, cover guys. Now they have talent basically at all three levels of this defense. CJ Mosley, he's looking like he's coming back there for the Jets as well. Now, can they improve on this, put this all together for one season here and see what they can do. If this defense can get going and improve, and if this offense can do anything, but hey, when we look at the strength of schedule for this Jets for fantasy, it does not get any easier. This is one of the most difficult strengths of schedules in the National Football League as far as it pertains to fantasy. So 
If Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, Michael Carter can get things going, this is going to mean good things for the Jets moving forward. What else is good? Heading over to my Patreon right now, where you can basically go in and take a look at every team's depth chart, player by player, and kind of compare where we're at. It's great for fantasy managers right now because when you better than flipping from one screen to another, it's all there. One-stop shop for all your depth chart needs. And another place to go for all your needs is fantasypoints.com. Enter promo code VIPERS22. Get 10% off that subscription right now. I'm telling you right now, if you are not subscribed to Fantasy Points, you are already doing yourself a disservice. You're already behind your league mates right now. So go out there and subscribe to fantasypoints.com. And again, that promo code is VIPERS22, and that will save you 10%. Now make sure to tune in, get those notifications cranked all the way up because we are bringing you the AFC North, the AFC West, the AFC South coming up very soon. We already touched on all the NFC ones, so make sure you get zeroed in right here. More, Plenty more content coming your way. See you next time.